welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on Scratch and Dent. We've all seen iconic gear abused. Jimi Hendrix setting his guitar on fire, Paul Stanley busting up prop guitars, Richie Blackmore destroying a guitar on a TV camera, or Pete Townsend smashing guitars, amps, drums, stands, microphones, monitors, really anything in sight. Of course, this is extreme. Obviously, scratch and dents can happen through normal play wear and tear, belt buckle rash, hand and arm friction on the body and neck, getting knocked by an instrument cable, stand rash, sun bleaching, luthier mishaps, pick and nail scratches. But what are some war scars we have seen on our own gear? Any good stories? How do we feel about used gear? Is it okay to buy a relic? Should you repair a ding? How much does the value drop? And is it okay to break gear on purpose? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Lloyd on the Tweed Couch. Well, Lloyd, it is great to have you here on the couch with us again to talk about something that I know that you and I have dealt a lot with, and that is scratch and dent on our instruments. So thanks for being on the couch again for some group therapy. Hey, Dr. T. I hope it's okay that I just uh, popped in on you today. No, it's good. It's good. I think we needed it. We well, needed I, this I hadn't today. seen you since Chicago, and I just uh, I need me a little uh, yeah. Dr. T time. Yes, a little bit of Dr. T time. So this actually probably starts us off with something that I'm going to just throw out of left field, okay? Because we were going to talk about scratch and dent with our guitars and our amps and pedals and, and just some war stories as we play these guitars. But then a few things came across my mind and I realized there are guitars and amps and pedals out there. They were damaged on purpose. Arm wear, belt buckle rash, dents, whatever. And so my question to you to start off this whole group therapy is, are you pro-relic or anti-relic for any of these instruments? I am... uh holding up a sheet of paper that nobody else can see, but that is really (laughs) hilarious to me that you asked that question because I did jot down some of our, some kind of war stories because, you know, we had talked about maybe chatting about that. And I was like, you know, I have no idea where Steven stands on road-worn, brand new (laughs) guitars that are road-worn. We've never talked about that. And I'm like, I don't know how we never have. But so I wrote that at the top of my list. And I don't know if you can see that at the top of the page. I can see that. Yes. You're going to have to take a picture of that and like post it up on yeah. something. Just you know, like- <laughs> I even saw a, I, I even saw a road worn, uh, a, a, a relic, I should say, a relic guitar, brand new relic guitar that came with rusty strings on it one time. Now, I don't know if it- Now had, that's overdoing it. it well, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, surely it didn't come with rusty strings on it. But um, maybe, I think it just had been sitting so long. And apparently the conditions weren't right. It was too humid, whatever, but it had rusty strings on it. And I thought, okay. Are you sure it just wasn't used, like old? Maybe it was a really like 62 Strat that I should have yanked off the wall that they were selling (laughs) for $800. (laughs) 
Well, maybe it was a 62 Strat reissue in 1992. And then here it is, however long later, and it's finally getting bought for the first time. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay, so um, uh, in a nutshell, I'm not a fan. Okay. The thing is, you know, I do love the look of beat-up instruments. You know, ones that yes. have truly been road-worn. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. Todd Miller, who I uh, play bass with quite often... You know, I bought that uh, that new uh, new. I was going to say the newest guitar to the herd, but it's not, and we'll probably bring that up in a little bit. Oh yeah. The second newest guitar to the herd is the Blue Fender Telecaster that I had at the Chicago event. Yep. The best three hundred dollars I've ever spent, as far as oh, uh, such cheapest a good guitar. Buy. It, it, oh man, it's such a great guitar. Well, Todd loved that guitar, but he came over to me. and He goes, "You know, it's a beautiful guitar." You need to hook a chain to the headstock and drag it behind your truck a little bit, and then it'll be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know, he's kind of right, you know? Um, Oh, he's totally right. But the thing is, I want, it it would look really cool like that, but I I want the guitar to kind of earn it naturally. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so to just take a guitar and beat it all up or do all just to make it look all age really isn't my thing, even though I love the look of it. Yeah. I agree in the sense of, I like that look. I like the idea of a guitar that has been played so well that it can't help but look old. I love that. Yeah. But I do own a Relic guitar. I bought it relic I bought it beat up. And it looks amazing. And it plays amazing. And it feels amazing. And so I am pro-Relic guitars only if you're going to play it. So, for example, I've got an MJT Stratocaster. I like to play it. I like to take it places to play. It's not in perfect condition. It's not worth anything super extra because it's something that I had made from parts. It's a parts caster. And ultimately, I worry very little about it. And because of that, I play it like I stole it. And it's fantastic. (laughs) Now, if I had bought the guitar brand new, it probably would ruin me to have marks in it at Mm. first. I wouldn't take it to a show that is outside. I wouldn't take it to a show that is in kind of a junky area. Uh, I wouldn't take it to a show that's going to have a loaded stage or a stage that's too small so it could get knocked into so yeah i am pro relic guitars but i do prefer when they're all beat up naturally sure i kind of always feel like the caveat too is that you if you're playing a relic guitar you got to be a badass yeah. player you know yeah that's it's true. like i don't want to see somebody who just knows three chords just starting out playing a guitar like it's like that guitar did not earn its stripes with you, you know? That's (laughs) true. And I guess there is, you know, as I'm thinking about it out loud, that it could be, it could be his dad's or his grandfather's guitar. So, you know, there's, I guess I'll have to leave a caveat for that. But, but in general, no, I'm like, when I see a guitar like that in the hands of somebody, I'm like, oh boy, this guy, this guy's going to bring it. And if he doesn't bring it, I go, oh, well, okay. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. Oh yeah. Well, the same thing goes for you have a, what is it, a 71 or a 73 gold top standard? 76. 
little early. Okay, so you have a 76 Gibson Gold Top Standard. And what I love about your guitar from when we were doing more touring stuff together and you used it was that it started to turn a beautiful green where your <laughs> arm was. Yeah. Yeah. Not fake. No. That is your sweat and and tears probably also all yeah. over it. And and uh and and no polish that helps too. You know, leave that leave yeah, the acid from my skin just working on the finish. That's uh that's the magic yes. right there. I'll give that one to you for free. There you go. Yeah. And so all of that, I go, man, now that's a good one. That's great. But you've actually had a few more little uh, war scars on that that guitar, haven't you? Yeah. You know, checking on a guitar, uh, for those of you who don't know what checking is, it's when the finish starts to crack. Yep. Some people, you know, I think it's kind of rationalizing, but some people say, oh, it makes the guitar sound better because it, it can breathe, you know, the wood can just resonate oh, yeah. more. And I, again, I think that's mm-hmm. just rationalization. But um, should we just use all the terms at this point? It makes it more creamy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's so sterile. That's right. The, the, the sustain from the guitar is, uh, uh, is, is off the charts better than what it was. Well, I notice it bloom. It just blooms more. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of bloom. Yeah. Well, for days, for days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't mind that the guitar is checked, but there is a small part of me. I guess I am a little. I, I guess I do mind a little bit that I have to give a caveat. I guess I do mind a little bit. It's not something I lose sleep over at all. But yeah. touring with Peter Eide, we were doing a Christmas tour in December in the cold up north, which is generally when he does the uh, Christmas tour. And right. we were up in uh, northern Minnesota somewhere, and it was very, 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 very cold. And the way that tour went is we'd get done playing at like 9 o'clock, and by the time we got talking with everybody and we tore down, it was it was about you know 10.30 by the time we were marching out from where we were playing. And generally, we had to drive you know, like four hours. And so we would... Uh, oh, yeah. To, just to get to the hotel. So then we'd get to the hotel at... Uh, three in the morning or whatever and then mm-hmm. we'd have to get up again at seven and drive a little bit more to get to the next place that was it was a grueling tour yeah, well it, it was really really cold and we had all the guitars in the back of peter's suburban and they were buried under a bunch of stuff and i knew that we had i think the next day it was actually like a six hour drive actually the next day and so i knew we were getting up early and i was like well it's gonna ride in the vehicle for six hours so I didn't care that right. even though it was way below freezing the night before, but it was buried under a bunch of stuff. So I just let it in there, and I thought it'll warm up really nice. It'll acclimate to the uh, the, the vehicle temperature. It'll be fine by the time I get it to the church. Wrong. It. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was at the bottom of the pile in the in the Subaru or the suburban. I mean. The, the whole case was cold yet. It didn't warm up at all really that during that day. When And oh, I didn't man. really notice it much until I went to open up the case and I could feel how cold the guitar was yet when I opened it. You, you know, you're in a warm room and you open it. I don't know if you've had this before. And you open up the case and you can feel the you can feel the uh, the temperature just hit you in the face. You know, it dropped like oh, 20 yeah. degrees. It was like, uh-huh. oh my gosh. So I was like, this isn't good. And yeah, the guitar that night, the guitar just, I saw all these little uh, cracks, you know, 
checking all over uh, it. And just I, start to form. Yeah, and I was and I was a little bummed because you know I was like, oh yeah, all right, okay. It really doesn't. I like I said, I don't lose sleep over it. It's no biggie. It doesn't affect the value of the guitar. It it, uh, it does maybe uh, um, lessen the amount of people that want to buy it. Maybe, but there are other people yeah, who love the look of that. And so, oh yeah. You know, so I said I'm not worried about it. You know, for me, instruments are uh, you know I try to take care of them, but they're just they're meant to be played. They're meant you know think, as as our friend Kenny would always say. You know, if it if it doesn't look like that, you know, it hasn't been loved properly. Oh, so true. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing is, is that there are some guitars that will never relic. So like, for example, I have my PRS CE 22. That guitar has toured with me the longest. I've had it since 2000. It, it's been really just excellent guitar for me to be able to go out and tour with because it has that poly finish on it. Mm. So here I am touring through these, these winter months in the North and I have it sitting in the van and I pull it out of the van and I take it into the, the church or the gig or wherever, open the thing up. It's blisteringly cold and no checking huh? because poly doesn't check. And so everything's good to go. And actually, Paul Strat. So my brother, Paul, there you go. Mark uh, that one off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my brother, Paul, has a white 1997 Lone Star Strat back when they were like American guitars. Yeah. And that thing is a poly. And he has abused that thing just in the sense that he'll lean it up against the couch, it'll fall over, he'll he'll yeah. put it on the stand, yeah. you know, he takes it from gig to gig, and, you know, it's been his main guitar, really. And yeah. you look really close, and you go, okay, I can see where it's wearing into the finish. You stand, like, ten feet back, it's still white. Huh. And it still looks great, because of poly finish. I did not know they didn't check. Nope, don't check. Now, some of the new finishes do, but that's one of the interesting things about Gibson. Gibson has always kept the nitro finish. So my 2003 Gibson Les Paul, well, that one has a nitro finish on it. And my ES355 has a nitro finish. And my SG Supra has a nitro finish. Basically, Gibson kept the nitro everyone else has kind of moved over to that poly because it kept the guitar looking nicer longer Hmm. Hmm. actually an interesting one do you know when fender switched from nitro to poly nope 1968 oh wow so yeah You'll look at a lot of like 68 tellies and you'll be like, man, they still look great. Brad Paisley's tellies still look great. Yeah. Well, that's because in 68, they switched over to Polly. Jonathan Rundman's telly. I've always thought about that too, how how beautiful it still looks, except for the obvious dings. And it's because it's a Polly finish, so it doesn't do the same thing. Yeah, his is a 72. Yeah. And and actually, so I am currently borrowing uh, my buddy, Dr. Wu... His 66 telly and his 68 telly. I saw the pictures. Which we just found out is not a 68. It's actually a 67. Mm-hmm. And there's a video that's coming out. I've, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I've got a reveal. So here's your spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, too late. Uh, is that <laughs> it is actually 
a 67. And so I've got his 66, which is yellow. I've got his 67, which is red. And the checking that happens on both of them is unique and pretty awesome hmm. on, on both of them. But they're hmm. both nitro guitars. Huh. Um, you know, probably the most road-worn guitar I have is my acoustic my uh, which my, one? My eight ten Taylor. It's it, oh seven ten. My seven ten Taylor. You know my gear better yeah. than me. That's so. That's really <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> we, we've gone through that a lot. Yeah, we have. <laughs> well, keep in mind that when we went on tour the very very first time, I was your guitar tech. You know, I'm gonna look at that. No, I'm like I think it is an eight ten. You sure it isn't? No, I think it's a seven ten. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Do you need to go look at it? Where is it? Uh, it's all right. We'll uh, okay. May, maybe later. Um, okay. I'll let you know. I'll send you a text. I don't want to be wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So um, I had a, a problem when uh, last uh, the recording that Echelon were doing. We did it over here in my crib, and it was it was a highlight of uh, of my uh, summer, definitely, and definitely up there and is top 20 life moments with the echelon boys recording in my old corn crib now was this in 2020 2019 2019 okay so it was right before the pandemic it was right before the pandemic it was uh yeah november so 19 right before it yeah 19 so todd was playing my acoustic and he was getting this really weird rattle that I that I'd never heard, and I was trying. I was like, "What the heck? What is?" And I come to find out that the that the binding on the back had come loose, and so to get through the recording, we slapped some tape over it so it wouldn't make any no, uh, noise. And I'm like, "Okay." And I thought about trying to make a little jig myself and get some wood glue out there and glue it. But I, I quickly realized, yeah. that, man, how do I clamp it? you know, evenly, so it looks really good. Well, I was going to be heading up to Minnesota. And so I thought, I'll swing by Kretzman Guitar Company, and I'll give it to yeah. Martin and see if he'll take care of it for me, which he did. And he did a, he did a fantastic job. And I, I haven't told him this yet, and I'm not sure why, but I, I would swear the guitar sounds better um, plugged in. <laughs> well, because I did, a, I did, I did an event. <laughs> I did it. Awesome. I did. A, I don't know what he did. He sprinkled his pixie dust over top of it or something. Yeah, I don't know. Surely yeah. not did just the binding. Did he glue the pickup as well? <laughs> I don't know. Because that's the crappy thing about that guitar is that dang pickup needs to be updated. But I plugged it in at the event that I was doing up in uh, in North Dakota, and through a PA, I've been really kind of critical of that guitar through a PA. It sounds great with a by itself. There's nothing wrong with that guitar, but the pickup does not yeah. do it justice. And anyway. So um, I meet Martin in Minnesota at a neutral spot for us to uh, trade cash and guitar. And it's a nice day. He pulls the thing out and I lift it up and, I, and he's like, he's like, you know, this was actually kind of hard to do. You know, he's, you know, there's so much tension on that binding, but he did it. He did a fantastic job on it. But yeah. then he starts to uh, ask me questions like, uh, so, uh, how often do you uh, polish this guitar? And um, do you uh, you notice this little curling on the uh, on the on the pick plate right there? You know, um, that's because it's uh, not humidified properly. And I felt like I <laughs> I felt like I had just gone to the dentist, and <laughs> the dentist was like, yeah. "So uh, how often do you floss? 
Do you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. do you ever think about massaging your gums? How about Listerine? It was, it was yeah. just like that where I'm like, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to just like, I want to lie to my dentist. I wanted to lie to Martin that I wasn't totally neglecting this guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet the truth was all there to be. I mean, just like the dentist, he's, he's I'm looking at your mouth. I know what you do, what you're yep. doing, or what you're not doing. I can see oh, yeah. that that little piece of meat stuck between your teeth right there. You're not lying to me. That was that was Martin. So I confessed all. Yeah. And uh, and he goes, <laughs> he's like, actually, I love. He's like, I love road worn guitars, and it really that guitar really does look gorgeous because it's it's got an H to it, and it, I think yeah. they uh, they don't hold up as well on the road, you know, as well as electric guitars do in general. Oh, sure. They just seem like they get beat up easier. Yeah, they do. Um, well, okay. So not really to change the subject, but it actually reminds me of something as I was doing a little bit of quick research. One of the things that came to mind was not only the war stories we can talk about with our own guitars, but you know, I was like, ah, relic. And then I went, you know, then there's those people who like destroy the instruments on stage. Like they do it on purpose. And the number one person that pops into my head is Pete Townsend. Mm. And I happened to witness a video of Pete Townsend taking this jumbo Gibson acoustic. And I went, man, what a beautiful guitar. And I'm, mm. I'm watching him play it. And I'm like, yeah. And he's probably like 55, 60 years old at this point. You know, he's just playing. I'm like, man. It sounds so good. He's playing so good. And then they get to the end of the song and he pulls the thing off and hammers it into the monitor. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, my question to you is, what are your feelings about destroying equipment on stage on purpose? When you go on YouTube and you watch like the old, a lot of 70s rock and rollers did this a lot. Yeah. And for me, I get sick because the instruments they're destroying, you know, it's like there's a wonderful sunburst 69 Les Paul and he just smashed it over the stage, you know, and and they're... They weren't old at that time, but they're they're destroying these these instruments that that, uh, I guess we should thank them because it kicks up the value if you have one of those. You know, oh, there, yeah. there aren't as many as in existence because they destroyed so many of them. But I guess I don't have a problem doing it um, or having somebody do it if it's a planned thing and it, it's not a prized instrument. Because you can you can make a, a, like a Squire Strat. You can yeah. you can work on it, put a nice pickup, and do it. You can do a bunch of stuff with that, and you can make it sound decent in a live setting if you want to bust oh, yeah. the neck if you want to bust the neck off of that thing and then screw on another neck the next day at the same spot in the same part of the show more power yep. to you it does make you know it in, yep. in the right setting it can be really exciting for the crowd um, i did i did witness back when i was in high school there was a one of the granddaddy christian rock bands out there is the resurrection band you ever heard of them also known as the res band they're out of chicago yes Yes, I've um, heard of them. Yeah, they started, uh, you know, they were uh, they were before Petra and uh, Larry mm-hmm. Norman. You know, they all kind of started out I think out I have about... only heard of them because you mentioned it to me. Yeah. But I've yeah. heard of them. I yeah. have no idea how, how big they ever really were. I, I kind of got the impression from them that they were kind of like uh, the Grateful Dead. And so they had this real loyal <laughs> following. They were the ones that started the Cornerstone Music Festival 
in Chicago, they had an inner city, uh, an inner city ministry that I can't remember the name of it off offhand. But that inner city ministry is what started the Cornerstone Music Festival in Illinois, and that's the one that I went to growing up. And so the Resurrection Band would always headline that event. So. Um, even though I know they had a bunch of albums out and they started out in the early days, I really don't know how popular they ever really were. But to me, they must have been huge because they always headlined Cornerstone, you know. Oh, yeah. And the guitarist for, for there, he had, a, he had a Kramer and he did this solo. He started with this black Kramer and he would, in the middle of the solo, he would have taken the solo. I guess it was supposed to be like like good conquering evil kind of thing. And he destroyed that black Kramer. And then from the side of the stage came flying this other white Kramer and he'd grab it midair and he'd strap it on and he'd finish the solo. And I don't remember anything okay. about their set except that. It, that, it made yeah. that it made that impact on me. So I, I think there is something to be said about, you know, the showman. Yeah. There I use the word showmanship. I don't know if it really is, but it's, yeah. it, I remember it. And I remember still yeah. there was a kid because he tossed the uh, he tossed the guitar actually into the crowd when he was done. So there was somebody there was I, I I saw the kid that had the neck of the guitar. I don't know where the body went, but yeah, he just he just handed some trash to him. Yep. Here you go. Here's my trash. How about you? So Pete Townsend is a rough one for me because. There's actually a statistic out there that in 1967 alone, he destroyed 35 guitars. Mm. Well, in 67, do you remember what Pete Townsend was playing? No. It was all SGs. Mm. And he was using his baseman, like cabs and head, and then he started moving in towards like Marshalls and all that kind of stuff. And I think about all of the SG specials, you know, with the P90s that he destroyed on the stage. And I go, I would love a 67 SG. I would love that. I think that would be amazing. I think that the world should have more 67 SGs. With that said, then there's the reason behind why they did that. Because the Who would destroy all their equipment in the 60s. Like, they would just get rid of all of it. And their their gimmick was you're competing with the Beatles. You're competing with the Rolling Stones. So now the Who has their own thing. And the idea is we are going to play this concert and then we are going to destroy all the instruments so that we will never be able to make this music like this ever again. Hmm. And so it was to be this special thing for the crowd and because of that, I go, okay, I understand. At the same time, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Don't destroy something that somebody can use. I don't know. So it isn't because you look back and go, oh my gosh, that was a 60s era SG. Like, like a, uh, a brand new guitar today, if a band did that with the current instruments, because they were new at the time that he was doing them. Yeah. Would you still feel the same way? I would still feel the same way about a nice quality instrument. Mm. Now, with that said, you had mentioned if you had like a Squire and you want to beat that neck off of it and then put a new neck on it and do it again the next night, you know, 
I think that's part of the show. You're trying to reuse the materials as best as possible. You're doing what you can to continue on your show. Okay, I can probably handle that. But if we're talking about a PRS, artist grade, private stock, Gibson, Les Paul Custom, you know, whatever, and you decide to just beat the crud out of it, I mean, yes, it is your guitar. You can do what you want. But at the same time... It's yeah. trash now. Yeah. You really could have, somebody would have loved that. Yeah, exactly right. It's like beat something else up. You know, give that yeah. to somebody who, who uh, would love to appreciate that guitar for what it is. And, and yeah. 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 Take your angst out on something else. So we need to take a break for our sponsor. When we get done taking the break for the sponsors, we are going to come back and we're going to talk about a few other relic items and then share a little bit more on the war stories of our own instruments. So let's take a quick break for our sponsor. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again. One at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at kretzmanguitars.com. That's K-R-E-T-Z. M-A-N-N, guitars.com. All right, so let's go ahead and start with this. And I, I do, you know, I don't want to make this like only about relics, but I did happen to think about a relic thing that has been going on for years and never really caught on. And that thing is relicking amplifiers. What do you think about relicking amplifiers? Uh, oh, I think it's a waste of time. No I interest. do too. Fender yeah. did this. Do you remember the Tweed series Fenders where they would have like the coffee cup I do. stain? And 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 the, and the <laughs> where they somebody set their cigarette yeah. on, on the Tweed or on the Tolex. Yeah. yeah. Like, no no need. I was like, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just stupid. Now with it. that said, there are lots of times where I've played those amps and gone, man, they sound great. Yeah, sure. Sure so they do. Maybe that cigarette burn helped. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's another one. Okay, so I have pedals that have become reliced on their own. You know, you toss them in a bag, you put them on your pedal board and you're like kicking things around and most people when they're touring with their pedal board, it's not that they just close up the pedal board and then it's done. No, that's a storage thing. So now you're tossing in your cables and and you're tossing in your picks and straps and wirelesses and anything that will fit in the case to make things easier to move. So yeah, the pedals get messed up. So what do you think about 
relict petals. I think I think that could be a thing. It's not a thing, but I think it could be a thing. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Some of my favorite petals that I'm thinking of that are that you own and Paul, they're playing the game, and uh, I own. Mm-hmm. I kind of like when they look like they've uh, they've really given a life to to the music and yeah i i uh, i like it if they're missing a knob all the better <laughs> or they just have a mismatch mm-hmm. knob mm-hmm. yeah i like that <laughs> all of a sudden every you know you've got a clon and it has like normal knobs but then there's all of a sudden one that looks like it's from like an old 70s yeah. fender silver face yeah <laughs> or just or just got a got a um what is it called? Vice grips. Oh, or it's got a vice grips. Got a vice grips clamped onto the volume. <laughs> a glow knob? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. Mm. That's never okay. Mm. <laughs> but okay. So all that to say this, I had a pedal that was a war story pedal. And it was a visual sound Jekyll and Hyde. And I've talked about this before. The the silver one. Do you remember having the silver yeah. Jekyll and Hyde with home plate? Yeah. Do, do you still have it? Nope. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Now, I had it. It was great. And I had it on the road. We're playing this gig, and I mainly used the green side, which, if I remember correctly, you mostly used the red side. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> we were yin and yang. Okay. So I mostly used the green side, which was more of the tube screamer sound and hardly used the red side. Whenever I used the red side, it was mostly just to try and boost the signal or add some more grunge or something like that. Yeah. It was great for us. It. Kicking them both on was a great solo. Oh yeah. So we're playing this, this show and the bass player is getting real rowdy. He's running all over the place. He's having a good time. And we're playing on this stage that's kind of bouncy. Well, at the time, because I couldn't really turn up the amp a ton, but at the same time, it didn't have like the little piggyback, like it's a Fender amp, so it didn't have the little side, yeah, I don't know what stand yeah. parts that you would kick expect. Stands. Okay, yeah. yeah, the kickstands. And so because I didn't have that on there, I had it on an amp stand. Well, the angle I needed, I needed to kind of tilt it a certain way. He goes running by. As he goes running by, it ends up bouncing the amp enough that it falls. And when that amplifier falls, now this is a Fender Princeton chorus amp. It's a it's a solid state 210 amp. It sounded excellent with pedals. It sounded okay on its own, but when you added pedals, it was like, mm-hmm. ooh, good marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all of a sudden the amp starts to fall. When it falls, the 57 mic, which is sitting right in front of one of the speakers, it starts to fall with it because of the way we have the thing mic'd up, and it lands on that pedal. When it lands on the Jekyll and Hyde, it leaves a dent in the outer casing. It breaks the motherboard inside. Uh, the 57 goes through the grill, uh, through the speaker, <laughs> and now I've basically got the 57 sitting outside the amp through the back of it Mm, mm -hmm. and the amp sitting on top of my pedal board. And I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) which really I was thinking other things, but, and and of course it was a Christian event. And now, now that, and now that it's miking the back of the speaker, it's out of phase, all kinds of crazy stuff. (laughs) But the low end. Oh yeah. So now I'm like, I pick up the amplifier. And so here are the testaments to all the things. Okay, 
I pick up the amplifier. I pull the mic out of the cone. Mm. I look at the mic. Not a scratch. Mm. <laughs> sure, SM57. I move it over to the other speaker. Not a difference in sound. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm. Then I play a few chords and I'm like, amp still works. I'm like, all right, everything's good to go. Then I go to click on the green side of the Jekyll and Hyde. Doesn't work anymore. Uh, uh. I was like, oh man. I was like, well, I could use the drive channel on the Princeton chorus. <laughs> yeah, that thing sucked. Okay. So not that. Okay. Uh, I was like, oh, I could use the red side. And I'm like, I'm no Lloyd Garls. I can't play the red side. Not like him. So I just Deep played the rest off. of the show clean. Uh. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. But yeah, so so that is it's it's a war story in the sense that now here's what I have. Here is the relic that happens in the actual moment. I've got this silver home plate pedal with a big old dent in it, which did end up getting fixed. I've got the grill on my amplifier, which is now got this 57 sized hole in it. And then if you look at the back, I've got this cone that's completely blown out the back Mm. of this like 10 inch speaker. Wow. And all in all, it was actually kind of fun to tour with that for the rest mm-hmm. of the time that I did. Mm-hmm. That's good. I uh, I think there's few greater compliments than to be quote worthy, and uh, yeah. And I always think of you, and and this story brings it back too. When you're always like, "Well, I was rocking it real hard," and then yeah, the mic we went were. through the uh, the uh, <laughs> front of my amp, and then it was even more rock and roll. That's That's right. That's great. It's kind of like the other war story, which was I was playing my PRS. I put the thing on the stand, grab another guitar, but the instrument cable hooked the stand and the guitar fell over. And so my PRS ended up having a chunk taken out of the neck. Yes. When it hit the drum riser and Uh I was rocking real hard. Yep. And there popped yep. off a piece of the neck and mm. I remember calling you yep. and I was like Lloyd what do mm-hmm. I do and you were yep. like do you still have the wood pieces yep yeah. glue it back on yep what yeah yep. wood glue is stronger than the bond of wood itself That's and right. you know what I have shared that bit of wisdom for the last 20 years because it's so true I've, I think I've even heard you mention it on a podcast and you know what so has Barber mentioned it on oh. the podcast because he huh. heard it from somebody else. And you know what? I think it is the marketing department of Elmer's Wood Glue mm-hmm. that has done that. Yeah. Yep. It's good, good for you, Elmer's. Yep. Now, I do have a question about one of your guitars that I think should have a war story, but I don't remember or know how it happened. Okay. You had a PV Wolfgang. Yes. And I remember the headstock did not look normal. Uh, it, it had a li- just a little chunk taken out of the top of it. Yeah. Not, yeah it, not- was, it was a pretty good size chunk. It was like the size of a pick. Like it was a big chunk. Not the thickness, but like the gross amount. Yeah. I was thinking about my guitars that have gotten beat up in my hand. And I realized that I've had more close calls 
or more actual um, instrument hitting thing problems because of my strap locks, because of strap lock <laughs> failure. I think I'd be better off without the damn. Stra- Can I say damn on this? <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, the amount of times mm. that um, I needed, I need a different strap lock. I think of what it is, but I think you can say "damn" because even though we try to keep things as like Christian as possible, mm-hmm. you can damn things, and you know, I, yeah, I don't that's know. right, that's right. <laughs> there was there's a, a, a sidebar, really quick. There's a, a town up in, in Minnesota that Tanya, my wife, we were uh, going to visit. There's a uh, creek that comes through this small little town. It's a quaint little town. Yeah. And there's a, uh, a, a rock dam that's right in the middle of the creek. And uh, it's really pretty. And uh, so we're standing here looking at this little rock dam. And I turn around and there's a coffee shop right behind us on the other side of the road. And the name of yeah. the coffee shop is Buy the Damn Coffee Shop. <laughs> <laughs> is there a comma and everything <laughs> and then i realized the whole town was like that it was like by the damn gas station <laughs> the whole town went with it so there we go we said damn that's funny. plenty of times so what's funny about that i will add one thing that we end up doing in my house and that is we'll get done like taking a shower or we'll go over to my brother's house and he has a pool and we'll swim or whatever and then we'll sit down somewhere or we'll have some clothes or whatever and we'll be like yeah don't sit in the damp chair (laughs) somebody's been there so you don't want to be in the damp chair and you're going to want to take off those damp clothes yeah and you're going to make sure that you uh you put that damp towel over into the (laughs) into the washer (laughs) buy the damn grocery store so, yeah it was it was it was awesome so with my pv wolf gang so i i think i just need some better strap locks because i the strap lock that i have is you know the two types that i know of there's the one that you i don't know how to describe it where you 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 push a button and it kind of it basically has a cylinder with that has some uh bearings that that when you yeah, push it's the like button, a quick it, it, pin. Yeah, that you exactly would end up right. Seeing exactly right. In like a a car thing, where Dunlop makes them. Yeah, yeah. and so um, and then the other one is kind of where you push the button and it, it kind of it's it's a it's a clip that just clips over top of your strap. Your uh, the uh, are these the shawlers where you kind of like pull on it and then you like unhook? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the one that I've had the most problem with. And what happens, really? yeah, what happens is on my strap, it will, whatever reason, I have to watch it. It normally kind of is a shape like a U where you can slide it on from underneath mm-hmm. the, uh, the pin that sticks out of your guitar and it just uh, hangs on there. Well, sometimes that will spin upside down. The, the nut will just, oh, and sure. I'm, I'm constantly having to tighten it, um, but if I don't pay attention to it, it will, it will turn upside down. So the only thing that's keeping that strap on is the pin itself. It's no longer yep. the, uh, the U part of the, the shower. Uh, yep. I'm not describing this well at all, but go buy one. You'll know what it looks like. So um, yeah. anyway, and so don't buy one. Actually, just look not. it up that's online. A, <laughs> this don't is, buy yeah, it. This is not don't a, uh, this is not an endorsement of this product. Because what has happened numerous times and what happened to the PV Wolf gang is that, yeah, so I'm rocking it real hard and the, oh, uh, yeah. and, and suddenly the guitar just drops out of my hands, you know, and the oh, headstock, yeah. I happen to be playing on the steps down in, uh, we're down in New Orleans and they were 
like some marble steps and we were playing up on the steps. Mm -hmm. And so it crashed really hard, headstock first, right into the top of that stone step. And that's when it knocked that chunk out it of popped there. popped off. Now, I have gotten Gosh. really good at catching my guitar. Yeah. There's been numerous times now where I'm, I'm like, if I don't catch it, I'll just, I'll be playing along and I just feel it slip and I just grab it. But in my younger days, I wasn't as quick. So back when I was in high school, I had a buddy who would do the whole, like swing the guitar around your body thing. Yeah. And he was like, I got strap locks. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Well, when you play a 10 pound bass and you do that a few times, those strap locks aren't going to want to hold on anymore. And all of a sudden he goes to swing that thing around and it flies mm. straight up in the air and mm. falls right on his back. Like oh, no. nails him in the back. He's like, ah! <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's not what strap locks are for. That's not it. That's not it. Okay. So that's one story. Second story is I had the Dunlop ones. So this is the one that has the ball bearings and, and yeah. everything. I was playing with second Adam and we were at club three degrees in Minneapolis. And I happened to be holding the guitar and I strum this chord, pull up on the neck and kind of down on the guitar just to kind of get this whole big rock and roll look. And when I do that, all of a sudden the pin undoes all on its own. Mm. And now I'm just holding the guitar and the strap flies down to the ground. Mm. It looked awesome. <laughs> I'm sure. But that was not the intent. And so after a couple of times of that happening, I got rid of those strap locks. I was done. Yeah. That's why I don't use a Dunlop either. I had a similar yeah. failure a few times. So I moved on to the shaller, whatever they're called. Yeah. And so now that leads me to what I use mostly now. And Daddario actually makes this thing that goes over your existing strap button. So I'm showing you in the camera. Nobody else has an idea what this is. But basically, it's just a curved piece of metal right here. Yeah. And you see how there's a big circle opening? Yeah. And you basically, you push onto it, and it clamps over the top of your strap button. Okay. So basically you've got this curved piece of metal that just goes over it. It's black. You get them on like Amazon for like $3.50 for like a pair of them. Mm -hmm. And I've started putting that on. And because you're using the existing strap button and because it just goes over it now, like it wouldn't fit over like a PRS, but it fits over Gibson, it fits over Fender, fits mm -hmm. over the Kretzmann, it fits over all over all sorts of things. I just buy these things and keep a bunch of them around. And I've been using this now and I never have an issue. It holds hmm. that strap super tight. It hmm. never falls apart. And because it's all one piece of metal, it's not all these different mechanisms to fail. It's one mechanism. That's oh. it. And then when I want to take it off, I just bend the piece of metal and unhook it. It's huh. like, it's brilliant. It's not as fast as a shawler. Well, yeah. but I don't need Who to cares? be as fast yeah. as a shawler. Who cares? Yeah. So anyway, cool. there's my public well, service announcement. Th thank you, doctor. Dario. All right. Yes, I will. You know what? Prescription. Yeah, I was going to say, you write me a prescription. Yeah. Make sure it's legible. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. I don't know that I can sign that. Anyway, oh, right. um, yeah, I, I just, that's not my doctorate. Oh, no. So, with all that said, um, you know, we probably should be getting to a time of close, but we have not talked about nearly enough war <laughs> scars on our instruments. Okay. Well, how about war scars caused by our instruments story. Do we have time for one of those? 
Okay, you tell me one. I'll see if it, it triggers something in my own head. I was playing again with Peter, and we were uh, playing in this stage at an auditorium stage at a school. And they had a loading okay. dock that uh, was, oh, I don't know, about probably three and a half feet off the ground. Okay. And, and he was just a trailer. So we weren't, we weren't pulling a semi up to this loading dock to unload. We were, we were loading onto the ground. Well, we got done playing the show, and I'm putting all my cables together, putting the pedal board together, everything, and I, we had a lot of helpers. And they brought out all our cases, you know, so I got my, I had my, my nailer amp was what I was using. I never pulled it out of the bottom case. So the, the bottom tray with the, the wheels, I left, a lot of times I just leave the amp in that and just take the top cover off. So all the stuff was brought out there. And so I had everything all put together. The only thing I didn't have yet was the cover put on top of the anvil case um, over top of the amplifier. I didn't have it put together yet. Yeah. And I was just about to do that when some little kids came over and they asked if they could have an autograph. And I'm like, sure. And while I was doing this, a couple of the, the, the really good, uh, helpful helpers, they're picking up my stuff taking it to the loading dock so we can haul it over there. And they put the they put the anvil head case on top of my amp and they wheel it out. No problems. Did they latch it? About 20 minutes later, we are oh, now no. standing on the ground. There's a group on top kind of handing us stuff to the loading dock and the rest of us are on the ground picking the stuff off the loading dock, putting it on the ground to put it in the trailer. Remember I said it's about three and a half feet high. So there's yep. there's this uh, this uh, guy who was, looks like he was in his 30s. He was wearing some white Nike tennis shoes. I remember this very distinctly, the shoes that he was wearing. And you'll know okay. why in a moment. Because, so here comes my, my anvil amp case that my nailer is in. And uh, mm-hmm. I did not know that the, the two lovely helpers, when they put the case cover on, yeah, they never they never latched it at all. But they probably know, didn't know what a butterfly latch was. Probably had no idea. Nope. Um, and so you know, but when they kick down, you can't really tell. You know, they they kick down, but oh, yeah. then they when you you give them like a half turn and they they lock they lock up. So right. you know, it didn't even cross my mind that these things weren't latched. So this guy's on one side, I'm on the other side. We grab the handles on the end and we bring it into space you know three and a half feet above the ground and the bottom of the yep. case falls out as oh, the hands, okay at three and a half feet up okay now my side because the latches were down even though they weren't clamped closed my side caught a little bit so yep. the full force of the amp swung down on his side and you know the little metal corners on the bottom of really mm-hmm. heavy amplifiers all of that weight landed right on the top of his foot from three and a half oh feet God. up. Yeah. And oh my gosh. And then and Work then the comp claim. And, the, and then the amp <laughs> kind of, and then the amp kind of uh, flew off to the side up to the building. And I to this day I'm I'm you know you never know how you're gonna handle situations like this. You know mm-hmm. I mean this this is a this is a boutique amplifier that oh yeah you know there aren't that many of these amps around. And to see it drop like that, and then to fly up against the the wall, I could have been like, oh my gosh, my amplifier. And you know what? It didn't even cross my mind what was up with that amp. I never even looked at it. It could have had the whole bottom yeah. smashed out of it. Because this whole point, the whole time, I knew that this amp fell on this guy's foot. And from the look on his face, he went totally white. 
So I just oh. grabbed the amp. I stuck it on the bottom there. And he kind of went off his side and somebody was with him. I made sure it was closed right. Like I said, I didn't even look at it. Wasn't even thinking about the amp. I'm like, it's just an amp. Yeah. What is up with this guy's foot? So I walk over to him. So this this all happened with like, you know, maybe maybe 30 seconds had passed, you know. And he's yeah. he'd moved about two feet from me, leaned up against the wall. And I looked down at his foot where the amp hit, and his white Nikes, where the laces on the top, I start to see blood pool and like coming through the little eyelets in his in his uh oh my uh, gosh in, in his uh, tennis shoe and it's just the it's just growing this little blob of red on his white nikes and i'm wow. like oh my gosh uh you just lost so a ton awful. of listeners right now but go yeah. on <laughs> so so there's road worn stories about gear and then there's gears that get even mm. yes gear that gets even yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Uh, yeah. Do I have a story of gear that gets even? Man. Okay. There was a story one time where I was playing my Les Paul and I'm doing a solo and I just hit this note and I bend it and I'm like, yeah, this is it. And all of a sudden the string breaks. And when it breaks, the string comes around and impales my finger <laughs> and it's going through my skin and oh my I like gosh. i'm like oh my gosh it's stuck on me and it hurts it's like i just got a shot oh. because that's exactly what happened i got a uh-huh. needle in mm-hmm. my arm <laughs> mm-hmm. you're so rocking I guess real I hard one, not nearly as serious yeah uh no that's the first time <laughs> i heard you say hard. it's the first time i ever when you said you're rocking it real hard yeah, um, yeah, I was. I was rock and roll. You know, and to this day, <laughs> I think of you every time a string breaks because of that story. I've never heard of that happening to anybody. No, <laughs> no, used... but my guitar got even. Yes, it, <laughs> it did. did. Your gear got even on that day. Must have been feeling abused. Yeah. Said, enough. Oh, my I'm gosh. done with you. So. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, with all that said, we could probably do a lot more with this. And actually, we could probably just share stories of our Les Pauls mm. and have a lot to happen from it. So, you know, we need to come back on. We need to talk about, like, I don't know, road wear, or we need to talk about uh, when luthierism goes wrong or or uh, stupid stupid tax when somebody decides to adjust their truss rod with a pliers oh you're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to wait on that one. Oh my god yeah and, it's and, got a good it's yes. got a happy ending though it's true uh yeah we might also have to talk about why you insure things yeah you know, that's oh, another one a good point yeah, well, yeah. Th- th- so, this will be the first part two episode podcast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, uh, there's one that's going to go out right before this from Jason. And Jason actually did the same thing. We got talking and next thing you know, he's like, man, I need a part two. Mm. So <laughs> I guess we're going to have a few part twos coming up All in right. the very near future. <laughs> so Lloyd, thank you for being on some group therapy with me. I know I needed it. Yeah, well, and I'm glad that we had a chance for it. Yeah, I said I hadn't seen you since Chicago, and I thought, well, if I can just pop on in and see what you're up to, and you're like, hey, let's do a podcast. So, I uh, I didn't sit where you sit, Jason. That's your nope. spot. So, no, nope, that dare. is where you laid down your burrito, though, which is a little weird. 
I, I would never weird. eat a burrito again that sat that was laid where Jason sat. Yeah, no, it's going to sit there now. Yeah, it's, I'm not yeah, moving. No, it, it was so. it was by accident. <laughs> it, it really it, it it was more you say lay. It was more of a drop. So and I didn't want to touch yes, it. That's true. So well, you get, you're kind of a sloppy eater. It just yeah, is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, we are what we are. So yes, that's very true. Mm. Well, thanks for being on this, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Blessings. Yeah, bye. Bye. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time.